Welcome to the Profitable Farmer Podcast, where it's all about increasing the profitability of your farm by working smarter, not harder. G'day, ladies and gents. It's Jeremy from Farm Owners Academy. Um, really excited today to have Ellie Landale from Farm Table joining us. Ellie has spent. I'm looking forward to exploring this further, Ellie, and welcome. Thanks so much, Jeremy. It's uh, lovely, lovely to be here. Ellie has over the last few years. How many years has it been, Ellie, um, that you've been on the farm table journey? Yeah, probably the better part of five years, actually. But really, took the step in full time about three years ago. Wow. Okay. Mm. So we look. I'm looking forward to exploring the farm table story with Ellie, but also exploring Ellie's journey in the lead up to launching this amazing national concept and um, her journey as an entrepreneur in agriculture, supporting farmers and and the industry more broadly um, as part of this podcast. So welcome everyone. Um, Sit back, grab a drink and look forward to hearing all about Ellie's story. Farm table, ladies and gents, if you haven't Um, If you're not aware of it or you haven't been to their website, I encourage you to jump on. Um, It's an amazing resource um, created by Ellie and her team, specifically designed, I think, and without paraphrasing Ellie, to give farmers and agribusinesses an easier way to navigate um, the online world um, to learn the very best that is available um, nationally and internationally um, about how to be best practice in farming. Um, that's my assessment, Ellie. Could I um, perhaps just to kick off, just ask you to share um, what is it that Farm Table provides to your members now? Thanks so much, Jeremy. So Farm Table tries to, I just guess, reduce that overwhelm. I think we all feel with navigating the online space. I think we all know that it's incredibly worthwhile and there's lots to be learnt, but information I've come to realise is only as good as it's able to be found the first time easily and then found again quickly. And unfortunately, information flows um, in our industry can sometimes be a little bit bit, uh, harder to find. Um, So the farm table essentially is a a one-stop shop. So whether you want production, information or changing enterprises or or farm business content or want to really keep in touch with what's happening broadly in the industry in terms of funding opportunities or events um, or movements in the software space. We don't create new content, we just reduce the time it takes to find um, the wealth of information that helps you drive your business forward in one spot. It's quite amazing. The the diversity of information that's available and the quality with how to navigate it compared to perhaps Dr. Google and others is quite astounding. So congratulations to you, Ellie. It's an amazing concept and um, probably easy in reflection now to see just how much it's needed. But what was the problem? Um, If we reflect back three or four or five or six Mm -hmm. years ago, what was the problem that you saw out there that your members and and farmers and the industry um, was seeing when it came to searching for information online? So it was a problem I actually experienced and I tried to solve it, I guess, a little bit um, selfishly for me. So I 
came back into the industry probably a little bit later than some of my peers. I was in my late 20s. I um, had started in the corporate world and studied overseas and started back on the family farm in my late 20s. So I hadn't, I guess, gone through the traditional route of either an ag science or a farm business management course, nor had I um, had a lot of experience jillaroying on, on different properties or, you know, really been immersed in the industry till then. So when I got home, I sort of had two main aims. The first one was to be an absolute sponge um, with my father, practically in the paddock. He's a, yeah, I class him as one of the best farmers I know. He's brilliant pasture and livestock man. So I wanted to learn as much from him. But I also wanted to, I guess, immerse myself in the industry and more broadly what was happening and what the best producers were doing. Um, so I could both, I guess, fill up my toolbox, but longer term, um, give back to our farm business and grow it um, in a way that made sense for the future. So, so back then it was, it was, it started out as um, solving that problem for you mm. and looking to find those resources for your family farm. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And part of learning, I guess, for, for, for our generation, I think the broader industry now, um, a lot of it, nothing replaces place-based learning, I think, getting off the farm and speaking to others and learning from others. But yep. you can't do it every week. So I turned online to try and fill some gaps or understand what was out there, whether it was, um, you know, whether we should grow brassica that year and what that would that mean for our lamb growth or if there was gross margin templates out there. So to start, um, I guess, bringing together my previous business experience with the farm and the web's such a powerful tool, but I think I said to you earlier, information's only as good as you can find it the yeah. first time and then find it yeah. again. And it's practical and, and not out of date. And that was the biggest problem I came against. I There might have been a really good gross margin calculator from the University of Tasmania or a, a cotton, um, something out of Cotton Australia that was more focused on human resources planning. But um, as a lamb and cattle producer in Holbrook at the time, how would I have found that? So I looked to sort of aggregate great, useful content that yep. was agnostic of what you what your enterprise was to an yep. extent. Yep. Um, and that it started with that ag library concept and sort of grew from there. Amazing and so valuable. It's it's just so interesting to hear how from that start it's become all that it has today. Before perhaps we go further into farm table, would you mind sharing a bit more of your background, Ellie? You grew up on a farm near Holbrook. I think you spent some time in corporate or in business. Mm -hmm. Is it in Melbourne? Or I did. Yeah. I did. So, so would you mind just sharing your, your background um, and how you arrived to Daniloquin and, and then to launching this wonderful concept? Absolutely. So... I, yeah, as you said, grew up in, in Holbrook, uh, sort of um, more a livestock enterprise and small seeds at that stage. And we were, I guess, afforded a really beautiful childhood. I just remember, you know, barbecues in the paddock and paddy melon fights and, and bits and pieces and always worked with Dad, but it was more at um, busy times, I guess, for, yep. for whether it was shearing or landmarking or I think... Um, tossing through Phalaris seed in the shearing shed floor in February and things. But I probably didn't really understand the business of farming or the opportunities in the sector. I finished school during the millennium drought. Um, and look, we weren't forced, but my brother and I were probably gently pushed out of ag. And 
I had pretty narrowly defined the options for a career in the industry as well. So I went off to Melbourne Uni and then started my career in management consulting with PricewaterhouseCoopers down right. down in Melbourne. So I thought I was living the life, to be honest, you know, <laughs> 20, 23, um, you know, pretty good, no responsibilities and, and cash, which was great, and, you know, in a big, tall, high-rise looking over the Yarra, Yarra River, which was and a great... Start. In a in a big and amazing company that mm. that's doing management consulting, doing some incredibly interesting projects, no doubt. Oh, incredible! Absolutely, yeah. and now they're playing a really, I think, really important role in the ag industry. Yeah, those firms, but probably 10, 12 years ago, not so much. Ag wasn't really on their radar. So I was working on. I started working more and more on food and fibre strategies for Victoria and export strategies and bits and pieces. But it wasn't enough probably, they weren't playing enough in that field yet that to satiate that need to be more deeply involved in the ag sector. They do seem to be more and more um, deeply investing in the industry, and which is wonderful. Absolutely. And PwC have been a big supporter of Farmtable as well. They oh, brilliant. They the value, which is great. Yeah. It's... Reflecting back now, how much of what you learned through through your time studying, but then your time in management consulting, um, do you use now as an entrepreneur and and within your family farming business? Yeah, a, a huge amount. Probably I should use more. But in terms of that project management communication with a wide range of stakeholders, so I have to sort of communicate upwards, uh-huh. you know, policy circles and things, but also. I think um, interviewing people on the ground and I did a lot of sort of ground up policy work as well, which has been really, really important. I think yep. getting things right um, through whether it's survey or interview or that sort of stakeholder really building in their need. I did a lot of sort of business cases for funding for Victorian government back then as well. Yeah. And it might have been a rural hospital or something, but actually I think that economic and policy analysis has, has come with me Um to our farm business and also farm table as well. Gee, you've developed some amazing skills over your sort of career so far already. It's amazing to hear. How did you make the choice to, to step away from um, the city lights and, and corporate um, and what prompted that move back into agriculture? So it was probably a little bit more of a toe dip to start. So. Right. Um, I was lucky enough that they that the company gave me a leave of absence and I actually searched the world for a postgraduate course that would bring together my experience to, get, to date, so public policy and economics, but also agribusiness and agriculture. I didn't know where, I knew I wanted to be in ag, but not where in the supply chain I wanted to be. And at that time, there wasn't actually the course in Australia that, that, that suited me. And at that stage, I think... Um, Postgrad wasn't hex, so I gave. I said, "Why not go overseas?" I think the US dollar was one to one at that stage. Um, so I actually went to Canada for a year and did my masters in food and resource economics. So oh, that wow. looked it. Yeah, it was a, it was awesome. It was a one year. It wasn't a research degree. I didn't want to be an academic. That was my personal choice. But it worked at that nexus of economics, public policy, and agribusiness, and it was brilliant. I um, you know, I studied with a a coffee trader from Mexico and a fisheries economist from the US and a grain trader from Calgary. It was quite an international flavoured course. Um, while I was over there, I I, I realised, though, I think it's really important to make a difference in your 
your own backyard. Um, I sort of had a few opportunities to go to Africa and look at microfinancing and things, and which would have been amazing. But I, I just realised that if I'm going to work in this sector long term, and I still didn't quite know where, that if I didn't really understand primary production at its source on farm, for me that was really important. And I hadn't had that experience since I was a teenager really. So I hot-footed it pretty quickly once I'd finished back um, back to the family farm and um, worked with Dad solidly for sort of 18 months and then we both decided an opportunity came across my desk that I couldn't really refuse. I was offered a role with Paraguay Pastoral Company um, as an analyst there and that just really melded in with my skill base and also they're such a big organisation that I was able, I missed the Jillaroo time, I guess, getting experience from other station managers and this was effectively my chance to do that because I worked with eight station managers developing their budgets, um, their production data and things. So, yeah, that's a sort of Melbourne, Canada, Holbrook and then actually ended up in Orange. And now now you arrived to Daniloquin, is (laughs) that right? Yeah. That's right. To Pretty Pines. And just just while we're on that, how's how are you and your crew handling the season this year? No doubt it's challenging for you and for your community. Mm, I think, look, Jeremy, we're in a lot better position than this this time last year. Good. And yep. also in a hell of a lot better position than those in the northern part of the state. Um, yep. We really are thinking, particularly those traditional high, fall, high rainfall areas, um, which, you know, aren't set up to, to, I think, with stocking rates and things, go through seasons on seasons like this, whereas where I found being out here, I didn't grow up this far west and there's just a certain sort of resilience and this is part of business out here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also this year, the water, I'm, I didn't grow up as an irrigated irrigation farmer, so I'm still getting my head around, I guess, fact from fiction and how to navigate our future as irrigators. It's quite difficult at the moment. But... We have had to spray out all our crops this year, but we've got feed. So we're actually, we nearly destocked. So now my husband's buying stock or adjusting from those that can't feed their stock to actually generate some income this year. So it's not, hasn't been easy, but a lot around us will take something through, at least to hay or silage, potentially harvest. So um, look, Jeremy, it's all relative and we can't, we can't complain. It's not the best. We'll look forward to next year, I think, but um there's, there's opportunities still to be had. It's so um, compelling to hear your attitude. Um, and I think, you know, in these tough times where we're doing it tough, no matter where we are, just having that perspective and and seeing the opportunity um, is just so important. So it's just great to hear that. Thank you. No, I, I appreciate it. We've, there's a little bit of a groundswell that, yes, it's not great, but if you your eyes are down, you know, the woe is me. Um, it's 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 hard. It makes it hard to get out of bed. So keep yep. looking forward, yep. and it's easier said than done. But when things are quiet, it's a really good time to plan. It's the last time. It's the last. You know, you don't want to. You don't feel like it. But actually, re-strategize and I guess maybe look at diversification as options. You've got a little bit more time up your sleeve because um, there's no water. I guess. <laughs> yeah. I I heard it said, and this is a bit of an aside that the. John Deere started out as a blacksmith. Tiffany's Jewelry started out as a soap company. Um, and some of these great companies um, globally and locally 
made their pivotal change in times of adversity and tough times. And so to your point, if, if you're on top of things now and we've done everything we can for this season, given what's playing out in front of us, I think it's absolutely as hard as it might be such an important time to turn your mind to something more um, forward looking and, and more proactive and perhaps more uplifting, which can be strategic planning and um, financial modelling and, and really setting down and getting aligned as a family for where you can take your business into the future. So I really appreciate you, you know, sharing that insight. Thank you. No, it's uh, it's, a, it's a tough time. I think there's actually real structural change happening, particularly for, for irrigation areas, but broadly in ag, if the climate goes the way it is, it, that is structural change and we have to respond. We can't Absolutely. Just, yeah, so, but it's hard. It is... Um, can be scary stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So before we move back to farm table, um, you mentioned that um, there was a period of your background where you weren't quite sure where to land in the industry. Um, Mm -hmm. What advice would you have for um, perhaps someone 10 or 12 years younger than you who might be coming out of uni or or might be that Jillaroo or Jackaroo and just thinking about where to land in agriculture. I can remember distinctly coming out of um, ag science and um, commerce in in um, Melbourne at Melbourne Uni and feeling exactly that same way and <laughs> certainly had the option to go home to the family farm but not knowing where in this significant industry to land. What mm. advice would you have to someone sort of navigating that now? I think we put too much pressure on that first decision um, or that first grad job and thinking we have to be in it forever. Uh, I actually spoke to... UNE students up, up um, in Armadale in the middle of the year and I sort of said to them, I really like the concept of a, a career jungle gym rather than a ladder. You know, it's it might not be a, a step up, up, up um, to get where you want. Rather, we sort of move around and dart around and, you know, in the end we get to the top but... Um, don't be afraid that um, you might go sideways to get other experiences. Um, I also really like, it's a bit American sounding, but the concept of a bit of a tour of duty um, in terms of you commit yourself to to whether it's three, four, five years or maybe it's just 12 months, but during that duty or that tour, you are 100% engaged. Um, it doesn't, some people hear that concept and think it, is really typical of a younger generation that we flit around, but it's actually nearly the opposite because you give your all and the expectations are really clear between your employer and you during that time. Um, And then you might flex and move somewhere else, but um, I think it brings the best from both long-term and short-term employment because you're giving your all. Um, Yeah, I just think that then seeing... Maybe the next, as a graduate, seeing your next 20 years, you might have four or five tour of duties. Um, they may be within the same organisation, though. You may start as an agronomist and then move into the tech if they're opening that, And, and but giving each stage, I guess, um, your full focus. So just start and be open to opportunity yeah. as you go. Yeah. Look- I can remember back in my day, and this is a little bit, quite a bit before your um, <laughs> probably launch into your career but the mindset was 
you know, get one or two or three jobs in your career and mm-hmm. and lock in and, and serve your time. I love what you've just described about tour of duty because we do in our careers have a huge amount of time and all the time in the world really to to let it find its own path as it has in how you've outlined um, your experience being. So, yeah, a great insight there. Just um, look around and, and find what's right for mm. you. Because we do, you know, my husband's got a five-year plan for the business and then you reassess and, and move move on and, and, and replan. So why don't we do that in our careers? You know, we, we think 40 years ahead instead of, okay, let's smash our goals in the next five years and then stop and decide where then to look. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So then coming back to farm table, Ellie, mm-hmm. if we could, you um, made that transition at some point from um, creating a whole lot of best practice online tools, finding those great tools for you and your family. What prompted the idea to make that available to everyone? So I just had an Excel database at that time, which I showed Dad, and just different feed budgeting tools and bits and pieces. And he's like, oh, God, I had no idea that there was this sort of information available to us. Is there any way you can share that more broadly? And I've got a you know very basic tech skills and I'm I love also that creative element. So I actually with some of the off-the-shelf stuff I just built the first version of Farm Table. It was very um very simple, but the feedback was incredible. So over the first two years of it, I was at home and then with Paraway. So um I think if you really are keen with something with you know the side hustle or a secondary task or business having two years or so or however long um, to build it outside of hours makes it re- you really prove to yourself if it's worth it or you're, you, you, you're passionate about the, the outcome to stick at it on weekends and early mornings and after work. Um, but with that same breath, doing something at night and on the weekends, I don't think you really give enough of yourself or your brain or, you know, enough time to really... Um, develop the business I guess so it was growing organically it was here and there but had no real clear vision I guess and for me helping to overcome some of those problems about how information flows in our industry I wasn't solving any of those very well so when I actually I left Paraway to move down um, doing sort of you know a typical ag relationship 600k long distance um got a bit bit wearing so I um moved down here and had the confidence of sort of two and a half years then of bit of data um and feedback I was getting emails every day from producers asking questions that the farm table then couldn't answer and I couldn't so I um yeah re spent about six to eight months full-time developing the proposal and then um, building and then relaunched in November 2017, so nearly two right. years ago now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So five years on, would you have predicted five years ago to be where you are with Farm Table? How do you, how do you reflect on where you've arrived to now? Look, I probably should reflect more often because I should. I I am proud of where it's come, but. Um, being a bit of a perfectionist, I'd love to take all those learnings, um, 
shut it down and start again <laughs> and, do, and do it because tech moves so quickly. Yeah, and yeah. And I can imagine so many people in the tech space would have exactly that same feeling. Um, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. With what I've learned, I'd love to start again, but I did it on a shoestring, Jeremy, absolute shoestring, um, and it's still tough like any sort of, I think, um, rural business. Um, and the biggest learning curve has been tech, um, which is probably not super interesting to your audience, but it's... Um, yeah, it's difficult to build something when it's your core product, but it isn't your core mm. um, capability. Yes. So, yeah, it, there's some there's some issues there. But um, yeah, look, I I still can't believe the it's now one of the biggest ag sites in the country. It's not perfect, and it's still really just me and a couple of contractors here and there when I can afford to put them on. So. I, I, I wanted to ask you. Um, the tech side of it and um, the programming and the development, do you do and drive that and have you learned that capability or do you, I'm trying to understand that and also um, who's around you helping with this and, and what team supports you in making all of this happen? So I mentioned um, early on I had an off-the-shelf software package um, with the first version, which um, any sort of rural business can do and it's really easy, but... Mm. With that, um, whether you're a rural photographer or you've got a side business, I think that's the way to go. But the the requests I had on the platform were, were just too big, so I actually went out to tender and I still work with the same tech contractors. I was really keen to work onshore well, in Australia and ideally with a rural-based team. So they are from Castlemaine, so which is sort of, which is sort of re more regional Victoria, but it's about yeah. three hours' drive from here, which is yeah. quite important. Not too far for you. They're sort of Not 20 minutes, far. half an hour to the west of Bendigo, yeah? Bendigo, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, and they believed in the vision too, which I think is really important. Um, but it hasn't been easy. Um, I'm not a tech specialist, but I can project manage tech jobs, if that makes sense. So I do project manage everything um, and... Um, I've got a certain level of coding skill, but it's pretty basic. But I can, what's important, I think now, it's not just the product, and you'd understand this, it's what sits around it, the, the email marketing programs and bits and pieces of these amazing tech products, but how to use them. So I've sort of become quite proficient in those. And marketing, I do all the all farm tables, um, digital print and, and social media marketing as well, which I could outsource, but um, the farm tables so... I guess uniquely tied to me and my brand that um, and I think farmers are and I'm one too we are lethal if you get a message wrong yeah. um, or if yeah. you put a photo up I had someone helping me with social media and they put a photo up of a dairy cow when the information was about beef and we don't forget that as an industry so I yeah. just have to be really yeah. particular about who I bring into the business as well. I think your and your communication out to your community in the marketplace is just so strong. Um, it doesn't surprise me that it's you that's behind that, um, and a real credit to you. Yeah, I do have people helping, which is great. Um, a friend of mine, actually, Joe Palmer. I'm not sure if you heard. She actually just won Australian Rural Woman of the Year. Yeah, she did. Uh, unbelievable. Yes, she's amazing. And Pointer's all about. We've got so many amazing skills particularly in rural and regional Australia but because of our distance from metropole and key job sources we often get overlooked for jobs so her platform is matches remote work stuff 
So I used her, I think, when she first opened and we found I had women helping me from farms mainly um, with these amazing um, backgrounds that now live sort of west of Warren and uh. don't have access to a job. So if they have, if they had access to an internet um, service, they helped me build the content uh, in FarmTable, which was amazing. Amazing. I both mean, what, sides, I think. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And what Joe's pioneering with Pointer is quite incredible, isn't it? It's a real credit to her and she deserves that award completely. Okay. Completely agree. Yeah. So if you were to reflect as an entrepreneur um, in agriculture back on your last five years, what have been some of your biggest challenges um, running a, an emerging tech-based business from um, your home and farming family? Mm. We're very lucky here, Jeremy. We've got um, NBN Fixed Wireless uh-huh. and we did when I moved down, which has been an absolute it, an enabler without it. Um, and I do feel for for those that are struggling with connectivity, absolutely. Um, being that far away from a regional airport, so when I was in Holbrook, we were absolutely um, we were so lucky to have Wagga and Albury so close. Yeah. Whereas Denny, yeah. we're just that little bit further, so travelling is hard. And if you're trying to build a business and build relationships, and people expect you to be in Melbourne or Sydney um, regularly to for those meetings it, it does get very travel gets very expensive um the other thing probably is and a lot of people have try to build side businesses that work with their farming operation whether that's the female or the male it doesn't really matter but um i have i think to make something work you have to give your all for a little bit so i've had to step out um, and not be as involved in the farming businesses as much as I'd like. So I've nearly lost sight of why I started to begin with, which was actually to make more impact going forward. So two years ago I said to my father and my husband, give me two years, um, I want to build this thing and see where we go. And then that line in the sand was two years for me and now I've built the model to an extent that I um, will be able to do both now um, and that for me, is my measure of success. It's not X dollars for farm table. It's actually me having a career of my own but also being as involved as I need to be in the farm business. So it's taken yeah. a few years but yeah. I just don't think you can have it all. If you want a tech business and and run a farm, it's, um, yeah, it's impossible. Mm. I, I see so many of our corporate friends in the city and I, I describe it so they're trying to push everything all at once and have all of their aspirations, be it marathon running, family, mm-hmm. career study, um, wealth creation, all happening at full tilt all at once. Um, I love in in um, farming that we work in nature and, you know, we operate in seasons. And it was once said to me that sometimes we've got to put one thing in winter so that something else can move into spring and flourish and that we should think about our priority setting in that way. Um, Mm -hmm. I know I had four children um, over the last few years. Our twins are six now. Um, But I can remember distinctly making that decision to put career and fitness just on ice for a while and let them be in winter so that I could focus intently on my family and let that flourish. Um, I so that. I, I think just for our listeners, it's, it's if you are trying to push everything all at once, just check in on that and, and let it be okay to let some priorities just 
sneak into winter or sit in summer for a while while you let one or two really flourish. And clearly you've had to make a huge commitment to getting farm table to where it is. Um, and I, I think no doubt through your farming background and through your time with Price Waterhouse and um, management and something that you learnt all about big hours and work ethic. <laughs> um, you do. But I you do. I love that idea of putting things into winter and I've had to do that this year. I think I said to you... Um, I wish I could start again, you know, shut it all down and start it get again. And an, an investor came to me this year and I was so excited because I could then see Farmtable really fulfilling on that vision of, of being that online sidekick for farmers. And we had a business case and everything. And, and then I really sat down and said, you know, I'm about to be a mum for the first time. I had that two-year line in the sand where I wanted to get back more involved in the farm business. And yeah, you need to sometimes say no to things and that's okay, you know. Success can look different but still be, you know, you can still feel successful, I guess. Yeah, hard to do though, isn't it? Easy to say hard to do. And yeah. um, I remember some of the best advice I've had early was that we can only push one wheelbarrow at once, you know, and I think we've just got to like pick that. it pick it up with both hands and run with it and not try and if I put this wheelbarrow down and try and pick up another one, we know where the first <laughs> one's going to stay. Um I think it's so true in entrepreneurship too that especially to get um, a startup, be it tech or otherwise, to um, a point where it's got some momentum, mm -hmm. yeah, it's so important to be able to give that the focus that it needs. Absolutely. What's, um, what's your tip for people struggling with balancing multiple priorities and trying to find that balance? Um, do you have a, a weekly structure or a monthly routine? Is there a way in which you achieve that for yourself? Um, I um yeah I, look I'm not one to share you know management tips I guess because everyone's so different but I tell you what the concept of time blocking has changed my um work week and work day and to and I think apparently Elon Musk uses it who's apparently the busiest person in the world I hate the word busy I think we're all we've all got you know we've yeah. all got very complex lives now and people. Uh pulling at us so I don't I don't like busy but um those people on the podcast won't be able to hear it but if you see this on video um I'll show you what time blocking looks like but it's actually instead of a to-do list because I think that can overwhelm us and it doesn't have the concept of time attached to it so I right. time block which is you actually look back it's quite a visual tool and I use a paper diary even though I'm in tech <laughs> <laughs> it's about actually putting assigning time to certain things and whether that's actually Jeremy two hours on a Tuesday night you spend that just with your twins you know but and you can I actually you time block out my day and, yep. and week and month and it's it's changed prioritizing yeah great so that, that's taking your to-do list and actually allocating time in your time. week and your month to get it done yeah yeah perfect and right instead tip. of it, yeah, like crossing out a to-do list, you actually go, oh, but that took me four hours. Okay, I'll know that for next time. Whether it's, um, yeah, feeding or whether you can apply it to your farm business as well. Not so much forward looking, but looking back at your day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. So farm table and into the future, um, how does that look? What are you, what are you hoping um, for farm table going forward and, and what can um, members and farmers and agribusiness expect early? So I guess my hope is, and we're nearly there, is that if 
a producer or someone in the industry, whether it's a student or an agribusiness um, professional, knows that, you know, a climate report came out yesterday or there's a training program for farmers in business or there's um, some new research has come out on land productivity on this and they go, where the hell did I hear that or see it or learn about that? That they'll just know, okay, it doesn't matter because the farm table will have it. Will have it, Um, So anything... I guess, um, new information that enters the sector or events or funding, everyone will just know, will just go to the farm table. Um, it'll be on there so they can find what they need quickly. Yeah. Because um, we all go to conferences and events and or chat to a producer next door who's using this software app or this new idea and you're like, oh, God, it's overwhelming. Um, just knowing that there's one place, one home to actually feel more confident um, that, that, yeah, you can find it. Wonderful. And and for our listeners, um, and jump on to Farm Table, but the latest learning, the best tools, um, all the latest and upcoming events, um, what else? Research and development, um, Mm, international markets information, software updates, tech um, updates, recommended podcasts. There's so much high-quality content on there um, to help each of us navigate um, the myriad of um, rabbit holes that we might go down in order to find the very best information. Yeah. So, early um, learning, and I, I, just from sort of our brief conversation before this, and also sort of watching your video on I, on your website, I get that you're a sort of a lifelong learner, and that you um, dedicate a lot of time, and you're really open to to finding. Um, new and different avenues to to build your skills what's what's um what's your um comment there about the online learning space and um where it's at and where you think it might go to i think it's a incredible tool but just one i think we're still human beings and for me even though i've got an online platform i value person-to-person contact and learning. Um, So saying that, my husband and I try to commit to one um, learning or course a year, whether that's a marketing course or a farm business course um, in person because I think those, like I could have done my master's online but I chose to go and and have those interactions. So I think it's just one part and that's what I say with Farm Table. Online learning is not for everyone but those that, sit on the couch at the end of the night um, and browse and want to just, you know, keep their mind active and then farm tables for them. Um, It's not for everyone. But the ability to, whether you're a new entrant or looking to change enterprises and there's no one you can call on around you in your immediate circle, the web and online learning does infinitely increase, I guess, that network you have um, and that, with that immediacy of information. Look, if we're looking at containment feeding use this summer, we don't have to wait till a, a course that might, you know, a yeah. service provider might put yeah. on. I can start, you know, gathering that. It's all self-directed though, so, yeah. And to your point, rather than trying to go and find the very best information across multiple sources, it's highly likely that Farm Table's done the due diligence there and has um, the tools and the, the, the immediate advice that you might need. So wonderful to hear. I know um, 
we look forward to exploring with you early how the Farm Owners Academy can can um, team up with Farm Table and um, make sure that our members are benefiting from everything that you've pioneered. Um, and as the farm owners, we place such emphasis on making sure that our clients are getting the very best education and access to the very best tips and tools. So we look forward to working out how we can feed that back into our network as well as sort of help you expand your reach into ours. So um, wonderful to connect with you today. Um, maybe just one final question if I could. Um, in your um, travels in entrepreneurship and I'm sure you've met some wonderful people in our industry and I'm sure you've um, you've travelled to many parts of Australia. Is there um, an individual that you reflect on um, who you most um, enjoyed meeting and is there some advice that you've got that um, you sort of reflect on now, some of the best advice you've ever got? Oh, gosh. <laughs> There's a lot. Um, yeah, I bet. Yeah, a lot. But probably the one that just comes to mind straight away is, is Pip Joe, um, who's uh, involved in New South Wales DPI, actually. Um, she's someone who I think she, she spent a year in the drought coordinator's role for the state of New South Wales, and it was really tough. And But um, she said yes to that opportunity, and she's, she's always... She's someone that no matter how, how high she gets in a role, she's never lost her farm production hat. Um, she just speaks so well to no matter um, if you're the Minister for Agriculture or, or me or, you know, someone starting out. She's very generous with her time. So I always just remember, it's probably not a word of advice, but I think we all are as an industry quite generous with our time and, and sharing um, and staying human, and she does that better than anyone I know, um, whilst having this um, amazing farm brain as well. So that's not advice, but, um, yeah, I just think it's some qualities that we see time and time again in our industry, and that's why we love, we all love working in it. I think even yeah. though we are often feel isolated, there is um, some wonderful people working across the sector. Well said. Thank you. So thank you so much for your time. It's been great to connect with you. Um, all the best now over your next few weeks as you get ready for uh, the <laughs> arrival of your first child and, um, and starting a family. We're um, delighted to have had you part of our podcast. And as I say, we look forward to working out um, um, with you how we can partner and work together and um, help expand all that Farm Table has pioneered thus far. So thanks for your time. Thank um, you and um, congratulations with all you're doing with farm owners. I um, have watched from afar for, for a while and I think without, um, you know, strong business skills within that farming business, um, we'll, we'll all cease to exist. So thank you for what you're doing um, and what you're pioneering as well. Thanks, Ellie. I think so much of the training out there is very technical in nature and I think um, learning the skills of entrepreneurship and business ownership, I know I wish I had have had those um, earlier in my career. So we're delighted um, by the level of interest in agriculture for um, all that farm owners bring. Um, and to those listening, if you'd like to hear more about that, um, jump onto our website, farmowners.com and farmownersacademy.com and um, we'll look forward to starting a conversation with you about how we might help you on your learning and business development journey. 
Ellie, thanks again for your time. All the best for the rest of this season and um, as you launch into your next chapter as a family. Take care and bye for now.